It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I found the list of the top 25 quilting podcasts, so I took a look to see if A Quilter's Life was listed. It was. I also found another quilting podcast called The Quilter on Fire Podcast by Brandy Maslowski. I was so happy to find another quilting podcast that I enjoyed listening to. So I reached out to Brandy and she agreed to be a guest on my podcast. Brandy is a firefighter turned quilter. She considers herself a fiber artist and loves humans, hiking, and tea. She brings more joy and less overwhelm to quilters as a speaker, teacher, and a world traveler. So glad to have Brandy Maslowski here with me. Thanks for being with me today, Brandy. Thank you so much, Fuller, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Where were you born and raised? I grew up in the prairies of central Canada in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But really, I was kind of a city girl. So I grew up on a very small street with loads of neighborhood friends. And I was kind of a tom girl when I was little. So I was outside all the time, which might not happen so often anymore in this day and age, but I was an outdoor child. My mom, she always tells me this story. At the age of three, that I came home and told her that I was on a soccer team because I lived by these huge soccer fields. And she said, you're not on a soccer team. And I said, yeah, you just have to write a check. (laughs) So for the first 15 years of my life, soccer was everything to me. But when it comes to quilting and my first stitches, I tried to make Barbie clothes. I remember that quite young, but my really first memorable stitches were when I lived across the street from a flea market. And I remember this lady at the flea market, she had this table just piled high with Cabbage Patch Kid clothes. And I had my first Cabbage Patch Kid and it was really just the rage right at that time. I think I was in middle school. And I remember just pouring over her table, looking at all the clothes and walking by back and forth. And finally, she just told me to sit down and she started to teach me to hand stitch. And then every Sunday after that, I went back to the same table. She was always there and she taught me to stitch. At the end of that flea market season, I had created a shirt for my cabbage patched kid and it was a red plaid shirt and the buttons were all crooked and it was messy, but it was the first thing I ever stitched with my hands. And I really remember the end of that season because she gave me this turquoise blue fun fur bunting for my Cabbage Patch Kid. And in Winnipeg, it's very cold in the winter. And so to have that for your dolls, it was really fun. And I'm sure it was probably the most expensive thing on her table. So that woman, even though I don't know who she is to this day, she probably knew she was never going to see me again and gave me that gift at the end of that season. But she sparked a creativity in me that has lasted the rest of my life. So as far as my career, I guess, background, I was always really active with sports. So I landed a scholarship to play volleyball at university and I got an English degree, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Was I going to be a poet? You know, I really just had no clue. And then I saw an ad in the newspaper and it was calling people to come and be a firefighter. 
And I thought that would be so cool. It would be active. It would be different every day. I would be helping people. And I'm really sentimental. So it appealed to me that it would run in my family because my dad and my uncle were both firefighters. So that's kind of where I started becoming a firefighter. I wanted to jump back here for a minute. Do you have any other childhood memories? Yeah. When I first stitched with Barbie dolls with my sister, I remember her trying to get me to do it. I was such a tomboy. I always wanted to play marbles. I remember she was trying to get me to sew clothes onto Barbie dolls. And I just thought, oh, brother, I'd rather be outside. And we had gone around the house and tried to scavenge up a whole bunch of fabric from different places. And we started sewing these things together. And I was so proud of myself because I had my first little dress on this doll. And my sister just fell over laughing because I had sewn this dress on. And she said, you have to have a button or a closure or something. Otherwise, you have to cut it off. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. But that really was my first little try at making something crafty. <laughs> you mentioned you were a firefighter. How long did it take you to prepare for that? That was quite a challenge. From the time that I saw it in the newspaper to the time I got on the job was about nine months. And I worked out every day athletically. I went to the gym and worked out every day. And I had a summer job, which was very active. So that was great. And like I said, my dad was a firefighter. So he helped me in his barn with all of the testing we would have to do. And there was all these stages to get on. There was a job related physical and a, a written test and the eye test and the doctor's test and the Canada fitness test. There's all kinds of things. But finally, in the end, I got on and I was really pleased with myself because I had graduated top of my class in the written tests and all that. But when it comes to the active stuff, it's pretty hard for a female to do some of that stuff because those tests are made for a six foot tall man. But I was really pleased that I passed. So I kind of went from firefighter to quilter over the course of my career. I've been quilting for 30 years at this point, but after 15 years as a firefighter, my spirit was actually kind of crushed because you see a lot of stuff that no one should see. And we decided as a family, my husband and I, that we wanted to move across Canada to the West Coast for a more temperate climate and to experience the mountains of BC. And I thought it would just be perfect to get away from all of that. So we love outdoor adventure and now we can do it all year round where we live. So we are in Summerland, BC now in the Okanagan Valley of Canada. And I now own two businesses. One is a fire business and one is a quilting business. And the first one's called Ember Safe Consulting, where I teach residents to keep their properties safe from wildfire. We have similar fire issues up here like they do down in California. And my second business is Quilter on Fire, where I teach, speak, write for magazines, travel the world, and of course, I podcast. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Neat. We'll jump back into your businesses in a little bit. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? Oh, yes. I have tried every craft you can imagine. There was one point where I worked at a huge store called Crafts Canada, and I was a sample maker. So I couldn't believe my luck that I'd found a job where I could sit in the break room and make crafts for hours. And to this day, I'm very selective with trying new crafts because I can easily fall head over heels for everything that I do. I could imagine like, I love pottery. I love looking at pottery and buying pottery. I'm afraid to try it actually, because I could just see myself becoming a voracious potter. I keep telling myself, think of the cost of a kiln, Brandy. <laughs> think of the joy you already get quilting. So 
I'm trying to stick to fabric. How about other hobbies? I have a few other hobbies that I love. I love to travel. I love to go hiking. I'm just starting to golf and I'm actually surprised that I'm actually okay at it. I was expecting just to be awful and I'm actually hitting it straight. It's funny, every single golf club that I hit happens to go the same distance, like 100 yards. But anyway, I'm pretty straight when it comes to golfing, so I kind of get by. And I really love tea. Our parents actually bought us the best gift for Christmas this year because we love tea so much. They went together and got us a huge basket of our favorite teas from a shop we love back in Winnipeg called Cornelia Bean. And it was such a great gift because we're having tea every day and we've been enjoying it every single day for months. I think my husband and I might be one of those couples who retrofits a van when we retire and just takes off into the sunset to see the world. Have fun. Brandy, who introduced you to quilting? Well, back when I worked at the craft store, after a few months, I kind of graduated to be allowed to cut fabric. And I think I kind of introduced myself to quilting after a friend asked me. So at the fabric store, I was piling, stacking, organizing, and cutting fabric, and I just became mesmerized. I fell in love with the cottons, the remnants, everything to do with fabric, and I kind of started my stash. I didn't even own a sewing machine at the time, but I just fell in love with the fabric. And then one day, a friend just asked me, you're kind of crafty. Can you make a quilt for my great-grandmother? And I thought, I've never made a quilt. I've never even sewn a stitch on a sewing machine, but why not try? So this was the very first quilt I ever made. And it was really specific too. Like she was asking me, can you make me a photo quilt with flowers and lace? I'd never tried anything like that. So it took me hours to figure it out. Just the photo transfers were difficult. And I drew everything out on graph paper. I didn't even know that people wrote quilting patterns, didn't know what a quarter inch seam allowance was, but I laid out this first quilt from scratch on paper. And as I sewed things together, I ended up having to add extra bits of fabric because I didn't realize what seam allowances were. In the end, I barely made it on time for her great grandmother's birthday. But luckily I had to deliver it at the last minute and I had the pleasure of meeting her great grandmother. So when I delivered it, the look on her face was pure joy. And she hung it up immediately on the wall. I had a little dowel in it because I wasn't even sure how she was going to hang it up. And from that moment, when I saw her face, I was absolutely hooked on quilting. Oh, neat. And that was piece by machine? Yeah, it was my first quilt piece by machine. And I pulled out my mom's old beige sewing machine that I had to figure out how to make it even work. It was so old but it worked really well. And my first quilt was born. Have fun. Do you have a favorite quilt? I do absolutely have a favorite quilt and it is my own baby blanket, actually. It's kind of a crazy quilt made by my great grandmother. And it was originally made for my brother, which then became mine as a hand-me-down. And my son, Gavin, actually fell in love with it as well. He's 18 now, so I'm not sure if you'd want me to talk about him loving a baby blanket, but he carried it around everywhere. And to this day, I have it on display in a little vignette in my studio because it just brings me so much joy. That must be fun to glance over at that every now and then. Yeah, it absolutely is. I do a studio magnificent lecture and I do a tour of my studio. And that little vignette is always a stop on the tour that I show everyone. Cool. How about a favorite tool? 
I think right now my favorite quilting tool is this little quilting notion called snag magic. It's a needle with a loop on the end that's tested to pull like up to four pounds and quilters use it to hide threads. So when I quilt a project, I leave all of the threads hanging instead of backstitching, uh, like three or four inches of thread hanging. And then I sit in front of the TV and I tie hundreds of threads and I use this little tool to bury those threads within the quilt. I love it so much, actually, that I sell it on my website now. Wow. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. There have been a few times along my quilting journey, particularly when I've been really excelling the most, where quilters and even mentors have said to me, who do you think you are? So it's like they have to bring me down a notch or something. And that's really a blow to your self-esteem, I find. Not everyone does that, but once in a while you come across someone who's either challenged by what you're bringing to the world or they're maybe a little jealous. I think creators constantly struggle with imposter syndrome. And each time we put out a pattern or start a block of the month or write a book, the quilting community is a strong, beautiful, vibrant place to thrive. And I think we should cut the criticism and all work hard to lift each other up. So Whenever anyone makes you feel small, that's kind of the worst moments. And it's kind of a joy, actually, when you really overcome something like that. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me about why you make quilts. What has drawn me to make quilts? Well, for me, it's all about healing. Like I said, I was a firefighter and I started quilting very early on in my late teens, just before I was 20. And it really just brings me joy and melts away my stress. As a firefighter, you see things that no one should ever see week after week as part of your job. And quilting was my escape. So when my hands guide the fabric through the machine, my whole world softens around me. And it's in my business and in everything I do, I try to share that with other quilters. If you find one little ounce of joy in my podcast or anything I'm putting out into the world, then I've done my job as a quilt professional. Wow. And who do you make your quilts for? Oh, gosh, I've made quilts for almost everyone I know, everyone in my family, for sure, and every baby that has ever been born in my circle of family and friends over the years. But mostly now I make art for quilt shows and for selling it in art galleries and little trendy coffee shops. I love having my little art, a series of art in a coffee shop. That's really fun for me. But my biggest honor, I think, has been making my glorious and free quilt for Quilts of Valor. So I guess if you're asking who I make them for, I love to make quilts for soldiers that have been sick or injured. I've made about a dozen quilts for Quilts of Valor, and we're very patriotic up here in Canada, just like the U.S., and we love our maple leaves. So on my podcast back in 2014, I actually challenged quilters across Canada to make a Quilt of Valor. And then a friend of mine from Vancouver called me and she said, I can't wait to see what you're going to make. And I thought, oh my goodness, I guess if I'm challenging everyone to make a quilt, I had better make one myself. So I designed and pieced my glorious and free quilt. It was kind of a contemporary design with a huge maple leaf splash on the front of it. And it had the shadow of a soldier in the background. And when I sent it into Quilts of Valor, along with all the hundreds of other quilts that were made in this project, they phoned me and asked me if they could hang the quilt in the support center in Ottawa, in the capital. And I said, yes, of course. I was so honored. 
And I thought, well, I better make another one for a soldier. So I made a second quilt for a soldier. And then they called again and they said, can we hang this one too? And I said, okay, hold on a minute. How many of these support centers are there across Canada? And they said, well, there are 30. And I said, well, I cannot make 30 quilts just like that. So I put the call out to my podcast listeners again. And I had volunteers. Within a few months, we had this quilt hanging in all 30 support centers across Canada. I'm so honored to even be associated with that organization. If you've never made a quilt of valor, I know this organization exists in the US and Canada. You should make a quilt of valor. It will make a difference in someone's life that you could never imagine. Mm-hmm. And what are you working on right now? I'm working on a challenge actually from my local Okanagan Modern Quilt Guild. This one's really fun. It's challenging me quite a bit. They gave us each four solid fabrics at a third of a yard each. We have to make a small eight and a half inch block using all four fabrics. And then with the leftovers, we have to make a quilt. And I am allowed to choose one other fabric to go with the solids and it has to be a modern quilt. So I have no idea how this happened, but right now it looks like I'm creating a giant modern kids quilt that's kind of the face of a monster. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how that goes when I piece it together. I have it all laid out and so far I've just made the nose. <laughs> so it's pretty fun. I'm just really exploring. And uh, yeah, it was quite a good challenge. I was impressed when that came out. I'm trying to picture that nose in my mind. <laughs> it's cute. Sherry quilting tip. My top tip, I think, for quilting would be really become proficient with your seam ripper. If you made a mistake and it really takes not much time to fix it while you're piecing. If it bothers you now when you're piecing it, it'll bother you later and it's easier to fix it on the spot rather than once the quilt top is finished or especially rather once you quilt it. So your seam ripper is your friend. And moving past quilting to creativity, I'd say my top tip would be to really try to notice those times when you are in full creative flow, like, like really when you're just in the zone. For me, it's when I'm immersed in a pile of scraps, creating an art piece, or when I'm piecing a huge project with my earbuds in listening to a podcast, find that zone for you and then do more of that. Thanks. Great tips. I'm assuming that you named your business because of being a firefighter. Yeah, absolutely. When I started off my business, I named my business Brandy Lynn Designs, and this is over 20 years ago. And Brandy Lynn Designs is, you know, it's not a bad name. It was what I was doing at the time, but I created the Explore Fiber blog and the Canadian Quilt Talk podcast. And I had so many different things going on in my business that it became kind of confusing for my followers. And so when I revamped my business after moving across Canada, I thought, you know, I just need one name for everything. And I was going through this big transition of firefighter to quilter or firefighter to fiber artist. And I thought, you know, I'm going to meet with a couple of my most important people. So I surrounded myself with my circle of friends, my husband, and I said, I'm coming up with a name and I'm coming up with a strategy to bring content to the world, what I'm going to do. And my best friend said to me, geez, you're just on fire with this business. Like you're going crazy. And I was like, the quilter on fire. That's so great. And it also rang true with what I had heard online from John Lee Dumas, who's the entrepreneur on fire. And I heard that he had inspired someone to be, I think, the accountant on fire. And I just thought it was so fun 
such a perfect name because I went from firefighter to quilter and it really just fit. So it kind of stuck. Yeah, that's a neat name. You've been so busy. You have podcasts and tell me about the book that you wrote. Sure. My book is called Christie's Quilt and it was inspired by a series of retreats I went to when I lived in Manitoba. Every year we would go to the Pinewood Lodge for an annual retreat in the freezing cold winter in November. We would drive two or three hours to get there and then we would stay there for three days. And the child at that lodge was the daughter of the lodge owners and her name was Christy. And she always walked through our tables and really enjoyed our quilts. And then about the fifth year that we went there, we showed up and she had a table all set up for herself with her sewing machine and she was going to make her first quilt. And we were so inspired by it that we all dove into our fabrics and pulled out anything that looked kind of fun for kids. And we all gave her little bits of fabric because she had nothing. She had a sewing machine, no thread, no fabric, nothing. And we were remote. And so we ended up pulling up enough stuff together and she made an entire quilt from scratch from start to finish, from the cutting to piecing. She even put a butterfly on top that she appliqued on it. And she did the binding herself too. And there were times when a different quilter from each area of the room was helping her at different stages. And so that story inspired me so much that I wrote a book about it. And I actually made a children's picture book with a friend of mine here in Summerland, who's the illustrator. And her name's Marcia Stacy. And we worked together to create a book where you could visually see the entire way that a quilt is made. So you could see all the layers and the process. And it was an inspiring story with a little female protagonist. I really just made it to give quilters something to give to their children or grandchildren to inspire them to enjoy the heritage of quilting. So that was kind of my goal to bring quilting to a younger generation. Neat. And I enjoyed the podcast where you interviewed her as an adult now. Yeah, it was so great. She's so bright and she's just a little star. She's a nurse now. It was really fun to have her on the podcast. And it looks like so much fun. You have retreats and travel. I do. Yes, I have an annual retreat here in Summerland, BC. I have between 12 and 15 women come on up and it's kind of like a luxury retreat. So you are absolutely spoiled rotten. It's a little more pricey on the end of retreats, but from the moment you arrive, you have morning motion at 10 o'clock. We have fiber art demos. We have gourmet food, afternoons of quilting. We go to the two local quilt shops in the area. We also have wine events. So we start off with a champagne reception, and then we have another wine event. We have a campfire where we have hot chocolate and s'mores around the campfire. On Sunday, we bring in a massage therapist, so everybody gets a 15-minute massage because of their sore shoulders. Yeah, it's just really a lot of fun. I am friends with every single person who has been to any of my retreats, and oftentimes they come back again and again. They look like a lot of fun. Yeah. And for quilt destination travel, I've done a cruise already, and I had another one booked for March, but that was canceled because of the pandemic. But I'm really getting into quilt destination travel now because I want to travel the world and bring quilters all over the place. So coming up in 2022, I have plans to go to Morocco and France and England and Japan. So those are really exciting. You can just keep an eye on my website. It's uh, quilteronfire.com if you want to find out when those are coming up. And then you also do workshops and lectures. 
Yeah, I'm having so much fun on Zoom. My goodness, quilters are busy over the pandemic. It's like we've prepared ourselves for this or something. We have our stashes ready, we're ready to go. But I have been teaching like crazy on Zoom and having so much fun. So my most popular Zoom workshop is called Colorways. And I think quilting guilds are liking that because it's a one-day class and it's really more social than a lot of the other workshops you might take because it's achievable in a day. You come away with a fiber art piece ready and finished. And there's a lot of downtime where we can tell stories and it's more like a retreat experience. So that one is the most popular. Over the Christmas holidays, I was teaching a lot of my Zoom mini mystery, which is a surprise. So you don't know what you're making. And that's only two hours. But a lot of quilting guilds ended up using that one as their Christmas party. So that was a lot of fun. You end up making a little project from what you've cut out and you have no idea what it's going to be until you actually make it. The latest class I just taught on Saturday for the first time is my Zen Ocean Waves quilt. And I was trying to figure out how do I make this a one-day class because I designed it for the quilting cruise when I was going to the Caribbean and that was canceled and it was meant to be over the entire cruise. So I thought, well, if I'm going to make this a one-day class, I'm just going to have to teach the exact techniques that you need to make the quilt. So I had Rebecca's Real Quilting Guild from Middletown, New Jersey, took it for the first time and they were so fun. They really just let me try it out for the first time and they gave me pointers on what they didn't need and what they did need. And it was great. I wrote notes on my pattern and now I can teach it in a day. So that was super fun. They had every technique they needed to finish the quilt on their own. Wow. And lectures, I do have two lectures as well. So of course I talk about my trunk show. That's one lecture. It's kind of similar to a couple of the tidbits you're getting today in this podcast, but it goes into a lot greater detail. And of course you see all of my quilts and fiber art. And then I have my second lecture, which is called Studio Magnificent. This has been my most popular lecture over Zoom, I think because people are at home and they have time to do some cleaning and stuff. So the lecture is about claiming your studio, clearing clutter, and designing it so that it's a sanctuary for you. Like it's a place you want to come back to again and again. You don't want to go into your studio and then your shoulders drop and you feel deflated and defeated because it's a disaster area. You want to go in and be ready to create. You have mentioned fiber artists several times. Describe what a fiber artist is. It's really important what you call yourself, actually. So I've gone back and forth between calling myself a quilter or an art quilter or a fiber artist. And I think I've landed on fiber artists because it's about the texture and the color for me. It's about feeling the fabrics and building that piece as I go. Like I said before, that's where I'm most in the zone. So I think fiber artist really works well for me. So the reason I call myself fiber artist is because my favorite part of the quilting process is being in that zone with the fiber. And I use embellishments like threads and wools and roving and all kinds of fluffy things that I'm stitching down by hand. I love every single thing about quilting, but I think if I had to choose my favorite part of the quilting process, it would be those moments when I really feel like I'm in the zone. So that's definitely in the design process for me because it includes so much. I'm a fiber artist, so design includes everything from research, choosing the color palette, the sketching and the free creative play, and even just binding the art piece or putting a facing on it. I just love it all. I'm actually really surprised when I hear a quilter say they would never hand stitch a thing. 
because I could just sit and bind a quilt watching Netflix all day long. That's heaven for me. So that creative zone is really, that's my jam. I was so excited to find your podcast, another podcast I can listen to besides my own about quilting. Yeah, I'm having so much fun with it. And you know, I took a, a note from a really good quilter out there called Pokey Bolton. She's an art quilter. And I've always loved her quilting arts TV and her magazines and everything. And one thing I always had really admired that she did was she sort of took the guest and brought their information forth in a really humble and kind way. And she brought the listener from here to there. You know, she brought the listener from wondering what something is to actually thinking they might be able to actually try it. It was like she always gave permission to the listener to just be creative and flourish. And that's what I want to do with my podcast. I want to bring people on there that are going to inspire me and then, of course, inspire my listeners as well. So it's really fun to share people's journeys, just like you're doing today. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to share with me today, Brandy? Yeah, I think, you know, if I had one thing and only one thing that I could share with quilters all over the world, it would be to, you know, embrace that joy, really find what brings you that satisfaction, that soothing feeling. If you know a quilter, for instance, who lives alone, especially during this crazy time we're living in, reach out to them. And this is a really good time to be a good friend of theirs, right? It's, it's already lonely living alone, never mind during a pandemic. And they might not be saying anything. So if you have that place that you love to be or the, the type of stitching you like to do, do more of that and then include some friends in that as well to share joy with other people. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been such a pleasure to be on the show. Oh, thanks for coming on. I so appreciate it. No problem. That was fantastic. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>